0: Hello, I'm Katie Manning and you're very lucky because you're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Enjoy! Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up.
1: Welcome to episode 469 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where not only are major news items dropping rapidly, they might possibly be enough to distract us from the long wait we're about to endure. Possibly. I'm Julie.
0: I'm Kier.
2: And I'm Haley. And this week we return from one of our usual poorly timed breaks to revel in the news that our 14th Doctor has been cast, and our returning showrunner has what describes as immense plans. We can only guess what that sort of statement means, but
1: since guessing is what we're here to do, we're bringing in a few ringers to help us with the postulation. From the Wibbly Wobbly podcast, welcome Talia and Lucia. Hello!
3: Hi!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is great having you both with us for this conversation, because (laughs) there is an awful lot to process. Um, There
3: sure is, yeah. (laughs) There there sure is a lot.
0: (laughs) Now, for anyone listening who has just emerged from cryosleep or is just now arriving in this particular Earth timeline, uh, news dropped rather suddenly uh, last weekend that uh, actor Shuti Gatwa would be stepping into the role as 14 in series 14.
4: While
2: perhaps not a globally recognized name, Gatwa, at age 29, is a rising star in the series Sex Education and is graciously, humbly, and eloquently accepting the role and the limelight. <laughs>
1: We'd be remiss if we didn't describe our first reactions when the word came out rather unexpectedly on a Sunday morning. Lucia, being ahead of us in time, you likely (laughs) learned of it as the rest of us slept, so please be the first to share.
4: Um, I actually didn't, um, Talia, uh, called me, uh, because I have been sleeping far too much at the moment because I am actually recovering from a concussion. (laughs) so i have been sleeping most of the day away um to anyone yeah. worried i'm fine i'm just healing but uh, <laughs> yeah no um talia first texted me in all caps being like call me call me call me call me call me." <laughs> like, yeah. and then um we screamed at each other for a fair minute <laughs> Yeah. So
3: basically, the the way that the BBC news cycle seems to drop is that news always seems to drop right before Lucia goes to bed,
0: mm-hmm. even
3: when she's not concussed. <laughs> <laughs> so no missing like, it by that it's much. A, it's a constant. It's a constant thing of like because I'm almost always on my phone. But Too much,
4: one would say. Maybe, a little maybe. bit too much. I'm a little <laughs> bit
3: too much on my phone, not gonna lie. I'm always like sort of watching out for news. So when I saw the news, I was like immediately texting Lucia in all caps. But like, and I tried to call her, but of course she was already asleep. And I was like, <laughs> call me as soon as you wake up. But like typical of us, as soon as she woke up, I was already asleep because it was like midnight for me yeah. um so then we are like ships in the night <laughs>
4: yeah it's often it's often a case of uh coordinating uh sort of three to four hour blocks where we know each of us will both be awake and so mm. we can be like okay it's it's 10 p.m over there so they should be awake i'll text now are they awake? No, god damn it! I missed it again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this this news should be next. big enough to pull you out of a sleep.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really should be.
3: Um, this 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 news was like so big for me. I was so so excited. I also really really love sex education. I feel like it's a it's a great show, and I feel like God was well, a really. Really great actor, and I'm
2: very. So I was on a camping trip when they made this announcement. So I found out a few days later when I returned to civilization.
0: Were you actually off the grid? I was
2: off the grid. My phone did not work. It was great. Oh wow!
0: Wow. Okay. We. We thought we were a little bit behind because we were. uh, We were traveling. And we're uh, out on the west coast, so which is unusual for us. We're we're normally east coast the United States, so uh, putting us another three hours in, in advance was like we just had gotten our morning coffee, and the east coast was already buzzing because the UK was already, it, it, you know, in, in tatters, and the newsfeed was just <laughs> whizzing past, and it was a lot to take in all at once. I didn't even think I was reading it accurately at the mm-hmm. start.
1: Yeah, I remember looking at you, and being like, "What? Why are you waving your phone in my face? I, I can't even process <laughs> Just things." Getting this right blank now. stare
0: over the over the top the rim of a cup of coffee. No, 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 no,
1: no. Look look look, oh, look, 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 Reed. look. Read, <laughs> new doctor. Wait, what? Okay, and then I was glued to my phone for a few minutes. So
0: right. Well, that that kind of leads me to uh, now, Natalia. You had said that that you've been sort of you know uh, beelineing your way through sex education to get yourself uh, as familiar uh, with God's work as you can uh, f- for the rest. of us, um, I mean, I know personally, it was it was really I hadn't even sort of picked up on the series yet, so I was immediately you know scrambling for you know YouTube smash clips and things that would be able to to put large chunks of work together, so I could just get a feel for for what he brings to a to a dynamic role. And Now, granted, that's a great role uh, to get a feel for because it I think it well I think it's going to lend itself well to a particular doctor's persona. But how does what you're seeing of his body of work to date map against your expectations for what the 14th Doctor should be at this point in our overarching story?
3: I think uh, Gotwas character in Sex Education is Eric Effion. And I feel like his character is so vibrant, energetic, dynamic. He's always wearing these... Like, he's always wearing these fantastic outfits. He's so, like, expressive. He cares. Like, his character is always shown to, like, care deeply for others in the series who he's close to. And, like, he's really... Eric, for me, is really the heart of the show in sex education. (laughs) I was joking with my friend who also watches the show that Otis, who's the main character is kind of the least interesting of all the people in the show. Um, I really think that Eric should be the main character because he's one of the most interesting people in the show. Someone has to be the
1: straight man to balance out the (laughs) the (laughs) showy one though, right? Like that's yeah. yeah. (laughs)
3: Um, But yeah. So I feel like even though like Otis is supposedly the main character of the show and Eric is supposedly only the best friend, a uh, Gotwas character is really like I feel like the heart and the center of the entire series for me, at least. And like, yes, there's all sorts of like other complicated stuff going on. Like, there's an a plot of like all the all the stuff that's going on with Otis, who's like the main character. Who, quite frankly, I don't care for him. <laughs> but like, <laughs> honestly, uh, Eric and his arc and his relationships are really what, like, drive the show and what make me interested in the show mm-hmm. in general. Um, so I'm just really excited to see, to see him as the doctor because he just has such a fierceness and vibrancy mm-hmm. and just, like, such an energy, too. Every single scene is just thrumming with energy, mm-hmm. like, to the point where if you do, like, a... Gift search you'll just see so many images of him being like excited and like reactions and like in you just have so many options it's he's just such a perfect perfect doctor in my estimation and if if nothing else then because he just feels so right to me and he's just such a he's such a great actor and so expressive and honestly like He dresses so well. He dresses like a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Like when I was trying to figure out, like when I was trying to do like, with like a fan cast, of like, Oh, which of his outfits could be a doctor outfit? I'm like, any of his outfits could be a doctor outfit.
4: He
3: dresses Mm -hmm. so well. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We've just watched only
1: one episode and uh, granted, I'm watching it a little bit for, him to see how he sure. does but definitely some of my favorite moments even just as we watched first for uh he, he sort of makes this one <gasps> i was like can we just go back and watch that again just for him his reaction to that moment. uh and then a couple of the other more serious moments where he you can see he's just centering himself and then reacting to things and that to me will very much be some of the spectrum that I feel we would see because you want to see emotion, but you also want to see excitement and you want the whole broad scope of emotions coming from the doctor. And I think that I'm really looking forward to seeing that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a very broad scope of emotions that got one place in sex education, sex education, like as Eric, like, because Eric goes through some really, really, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. Some tough stuff on on the on the show. In he there's some uh I'm not gonna get into spoilers, but there is some moments that are very homophobic, um, transphobic stuff that goes down. Some not super graphic violent stuff happens, but you know, stuff happens to him. It's really upsetting in, you know, his character goes through like a transformation and like there's an arc. And, like, how he copes with it and how his relationships with other characters are affected by it is really pivotal in, like, the first season of the show. And, like, the way that he plays that and does that is just, like, chef's kiss. It's so good. (laughs) Like, obviously, the fact that it it happened and, like, the transphobia and, like, homophobia and all that stuff is terrible. Like, as, like, a non-binary trans person, like, I... Totally felt that personally, even. Um, and that's part of why I appreciated that, that journey in the show, even though it was hard to watch, because I appreciated having that represented. And I appreciated, like, it was hard to watch, but I appreciated the way that Gatwa was able to portray it and, like, portray that vulnerability in his like capacity and range is just so i really i really liked it i i feel like i'm just talking (laughs)
2: it's
0: (laughs) all right it strikes a chord it is a
4: podcast which Mm.
1: we encourage talking (laughs) reactions are valid (laughs) it's
4: good (laughs) yeah Yeah. um i actually first like it's really bizarre to me because i first watched gatla as demetrius in a production of A Midsummer's Night's Dream. So in 2016, he played um, Demetrius in the Globe's production of A Midsummer's Night's Dream. It is available online some places, but it's super hard to find. So um, I feel really uh, honored to have seen it. And um, I'm a huge Shakespeare nerd. So, um, <laughs> and Midsummer's Same. Night's Dream is like up there. Uh, in terms of my favorites uh so it was like the first play that i really like got shakespeare with basically it's just all the same things that talia said right like but in a very different role so um right. demetrius is a character who um so *Midsummer night stream is a farce it's a comedy um it plays with the sort of fae and um, sort of fairy world and Demetrius is this um, depending on how you play him he's a character that um, basically there's a romantic mix up so it's this big complicated love square uh, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. um, but Demetrius is this um, traditionally played as this sort of very upright, traditional uh, sort of ideal Athenian man he's sort of a representation of masculinity uh, that depending on how you do the play either veers towards sort of can, can definitely be an exploration of toxic masculinity um, his his um, so um, his counterpart Lysander is held up as a more um, emotionally connected sort of representation of uh, true or um, non toxic ma- non toxic masculinity in comparison to Demetrius's toxic masculinity, um, and so. Gatwa's performance was so beautiful and gorgeous uh, because he brought such a sympathy and empathy to that role. It's so easy to just overplay Demetrius and make him this disgusting, awful character. Mm. Um, and he brought such a levity and sort of compassion to that role where you're like oh wait no like the reason demetrius is the way he is is because of everything around him and like this is his culture this is everything he's been brought up to be and like it doesn't even feel really true to demetrius to be playing like like the like demetrius himself is playing a role within the play of this idea of masculinity that is meant to be um Mm -hmm. and it was such a beautiful um Take on the character that is so rarely given space and so, so it was really weird. Having like watched that and been like, oh, that's just like that's just me watching my Globe DVDs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just another actor, and then he turns up in Sex Education and brings all of that energy to Sex Education, and then he gets cast as the Fourteenth Doctor, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting!
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were meant for this. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm really glad we had Talia and Lucia on this week, because I'm in kind of the same boat as Kier and Julie, where I hadn't seen anything he'd done before the announcement. I tried to cram in a few episodes this weekend of Sex Education, just because that's the most available part of his body of work at this point, And his filmography is not really that deep outside of this. He's had a few small parts in some films, um, but his role as Eric in Sex Education is the biggest thing he's done. and. I haven't got to see the whole journey that Talia talked about, but seeing just the energy that he brings and the, the, you're starting to get the hints of uh, the depth of his character um, in the first, I think I saw three episodes this weekend. uh, I'm really excited to see where he's going to take that. And we've had RTD as a showrunner before. We know that he seeks the best talent for any role, but he's also been pretty vocal about the fact that equality and representation in television and film are both overdue and critical. So, what are everyone's hopes for further progress in Doctor Who as a program?
0: I would, I would hope that uh, the I think the things that have been uh, well indicative of, of everything post two thousand five, you know, and, and taking the s- slowly starting to pull down mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, a lot of the standards for uh, for for main program main range television that everyone had there. Um, you know, their their cis white cast and their and their um, heterosexual couples, and, and that was just the way it was done. That started to break away. RTD was actually at the forefront of being able to say, "No, I'm I'm." I, while he may not have necessarily had openly gay characters and gay relationships and things of that sort, or or um, or, or anything that would potentially. I don't know, the BBC drama department within the first couple of years. He also found ways to be able to say, I'm not going to completely leave them out of the script. These are people that live all around you. They are part of our families. They are part of our lives. They are part of, of every reality scene that we are standing in. Why wouldn't they be within the scenes of these programs that we're creating? And I think and that momentum that he's established... And he, in particular, as a creator and showrunner, he has been pushing faster and faster and further and harder with what he's been working on in years since. So I think coming back to that role, uh, coming back to that that position, I should say, um, I, he's, I, I think he's already given indication he's going to be completely unabashed about it. This is who we are, and this is the world that we live in. These are the people that we share our lives with, that we care deeply about, that we interact with every day. They are part of the of the science fiction realm as well, because we want our sci fi based in something that we can that we can touch and say, "You know those are our lives, and those are our loved ones. we want to see ourselves in these stories, so why wouldn't we want everyone to see themselves in some capacity in these stories, including the the titular role so
3: yeah, I think yeah, I think my Main hope for this upcoming series is that it's not, is that the characters are more than just like faces and bodies on a screen and that, and that their arcs and characterizations truly do them justice and are authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things that I Notices that especially it's a problem with colorblind casting, and this is something I've written about for Nerdist, and I know that Nicole Hill of Black TARDIS has written about very extensively as well. Is um, as well, and I know Amanda Ray Prescott has also written um, about this too. Just and also just the three of us have talked about this um, (laughs) amongst ourselves, um, uh, along with uh, and we we've talked about this with with a number of people. Um, it's just the the problem of colorblind casting is that when you cast a character and don't take into account how the identity of the actor that you cast to play that character will affect the character and their story, then you aren't accurately and effectively portraying like that authentic. Like, you can say that this is a black person in Shakespearean London. Like, Martha went, like, Martha's episode, The Shakespeare Code. Um, the doctor just blew off her concerns about, like, being black in that era. And, and he's just like, walk around like you do the look Like, that's what I do. He's like, you shouldn't be concerned. You shouldn't be worried. That's not accurate <laughs> at all. Um, And so that's one of the things that makes me a little bit worried. Um, And I know that RTD has like grown and evolved as a a showrunner. And like, I would hope that, you know, he is able to treat his black characters and other characters of color um, with more care and with more nuance, but it's things like that. Um, when I like look back, um, that sort of like our red flags, particularly all of Martha's era. Um, mm. is just we haven't gotten to season three on Wibbly Wobbly, but when we do, we're gonna have a lot to say. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> where I um primarily uh the our podcast at the moment is a bit of a retroactive, we're going back to two thousand and five and going through each episode consecutively um and so it's been really interesting uh looking at rtd's original era so closely and being able to like just really delve into it and be like oh like it really once you actually start looking at the sort of constructed nature of the show it's really uh sort of eye-opening to be like wow this really was 15 years ago and look (laughs) how far we've come Mm -hmm. um i think in what i'm sort of and i think and you know talia and i have talked ad nauseum (laughs) about on the pod and off about um uh representation within sci-fi and um uh, and doctor who specifically and what that means, and what the sci fi genre um, sort of can and does represent for people. Uh, so, you can all just listen back to all of that. <laughs> I don't need to repeat it here. But um, I think one of the things that I'm sort of um, looking forward to and hoping for is that, like, it's absolutely wonderful that we've got all of this casting news about. Um, with uh, Gatwa and also Finley also got announced, which is so exciting. Um, But what I'm really looking for is behind the scenes representation. Like, unless you've got queer people in the writing room, unless you've got black people in the writing room, unless you've got people of colour in the writing room, um, and all throughout the crew and the production team, it's so easy to not see what your privilege allows you not to see. Um, You need those checks. You need those – you need – what's the word? Uh, You need sensitivity readers. You need people that will hold you accountable and, you know, uh, creating a space within the production environment where people can speak up and be like, hey – I don't think this is the best thing to go to air. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe we should think about how this is going to look in 20 years or however long, right? Um, so yeah.
3: And it's important to have those people not just in the cast but in the crew, in the writer, in the writers' room, in the production, all that. But it's also important to not just have there be one person yeah <laughs> yeah of like like it's there there can't just be like a token there has to be like multiple people and that's not just in that and that's not just for the fact of like there should be more than one but also because like i know personally that when i am the only black person in the room it's a lot harder to speak up but if i know that there's another like black person there's another person of color in the room there's another queer person in the room I'm like, oh, I feel safer speaking up and saying what's on my mind because I know I have someone who's got my back.
2: Well, and also, like, subcultures are not a monolith. Not every queer person has the same experience. Not every person of color has the same experience. So diversity of opinion is important within a subgroup as well if we're going to represent that. And I'm glad you brought up a writer's room because it's something we've talked on in our podcast before that Doctor Who does not traditionally have a writer's room. And I think we're maybe approaching an era where it's more important than ever because it's not that a white man like Russell T. Davies cannot write for a black actor, but his writing will be improved by working on it with a person of color, with a more diverse group uh, for his scripts to have input outside of himself uh, about what this story should be for this character. Um, And, Yeah. yeah, if we look back at his original run on the show, again, you mentioned... 17 years ago now is when he was running the show before. So it, that was a time when it was pretty common and Doctor Who was not the exception. The main cast and crew or main cast of the show was pretty white, pretty cis, pretty hetero. And then you would have supporting characters maybe that were people of color, that were queer, that were something else. Um, and you would tell an aspect of a story that encapsulated that experience. But this is new. Like your, your doctor is going to be a black man for his run on the show. So you can't just have somebody input on one story. You need to have somebody looking at the whole run of the show and helping build up these characters and encapsulate their identity for as long as they're part of this program.
4: Which is something that Talia and I have been uh, so supportive of in the Chibnall era is that Chibnall has made a real effort to bring uh, women and people of color into the writer's room and in on that crew and in on production, which... Um,
3: Although I will point out that of the people of color that he had write um, episodes, only one of them did he not take co-writer credit for. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, just just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that,
0: that fact was not lost on us. No. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the other thing that I'm kind of um, cautious of in this upcoming era in terms of fandom discourse and fandom chatter is that you know, whatever Russell T Davies is able to do in this next run is on the shoulders of Chibnall, it's on the shoulders of everything else that has come before Um, Doctor Who is a continuously evolving and um, uh, sort of progressing show it's slowly over this time become more and more uh, diverse and open but that's only because of the work that's been put in so to what I'm sort of cautious of is people looking with rosy tinted glasses at the original RTD era and then being like oh, it's like nothing's changed or like, isn't he still so awesome and great? And like not and not acknowledging all of the work that's gone before by other people and other showrunners.
1: On that note, sort of building on the uh, what has come before with Smith, Capaldi and Whitaker's announcements as Doctor, the revelation of the next Doctor was a major television event. Why do we think this announcement was handled a little bit differently?
0: Yeah, this was just sort of uh, it was a press release. And it was just left to become social media wildfire on its own. You know, one one announcement, one headshot, and, and they were off to the races.
2: So my favorite part of the podcast, pure speculation based on nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wonder if part of it is maybe some COVID restrictions that are still in place, so they couldn't get the people together that they needed to to do some sort of promo video. I wonder if part of it might be that uh, Davies doesn't have control of the ship yet. Chibnall's still running things. Um and I don't maybe they just the beebs was being cheap and didn't want to give them the, the budget to do some sort of promo video.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's also
2: 2 years before he's going to be the doctor.
3: Yeah, it, it 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 all feels like very weird to me. Um especially if he was cast in February that they did not have it ready that it didn't leak because like yeah like it because it didn't it didn't leak for three months they had time to i feel like they might have had time to like at least whip up a cute little video because jodie whittaker's video was just her in a forest with a yeah yep they could have done it like that did not like i doubt that required a huge crew
4: And also, there's been really good, like, all the gorgeous little um, ones where uh, Whitaker's sort of taken the camera herself and, like, done little at-home bits and pieces Sure. uh, with just her and the camera and the costume, which are just so lovely. Um, Yeah, there's definitely ways around this that, despite, you know, the world being the chaotic realm that it is... It's really hard not to just say racism.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm also going to take my tiny little bus and drive it over the marketing department and just say Mm. that uh, between what they didn't do with Flux and everything that's come since then, like, maybe they just don't have their poop together and they're not ready for the kind of storytelling and marketing promotion type of stuff that we know rtD or we hope that RTD will bring. And so I'm not saying that it's not all the other reasons, but I would put a big shiny quarter down that it's just they yep. they're not ready. They don't know.
2: I, I said one more maybe thing is like it, we are a long ways out from him being the doctor. Maybe they haven't figured out his costume yet so they didn't want to do a video.
3: But Jodie Whittaker didn't have a costume yet. She just had a hoodie in a forest.
0: Yep. We didn't <laughs> know Calvins for a while. People were people were putting him in cardigans and they were photoshopping his head onto all kinds of outfits. They
2: should have just photoshopped him onto Jodie's video. Put his head on there. <laughs> right? Have we not have we not seen perfectly good
1: announcements or transitions where just put him in her clothes and I'm okay mm. with that?
4: Yeah. I'm also really looking I always love the very first episode of a new doctor when they're running around in the last generation's clothes and I think it's just going to be really This is going to be delightful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all, and that whole period is always so delightful because um it's it's this gorgeous transition period where the new doctor is kind of figuring out the role and what are you going to take from again the people that come before you. It's such right. yeah. a it's such a um i love regeneration as a concept it's so um first of all just as like um just as like a meta kind of that's such a brilliant way to continue the show (laughs) like Mm -hmm. (laughs) way back way back when with hartnell and number one when it became clearer and clearer that hartnell wasn't going to be able to continue the role just being like we'll just get a new guy in it's a sci-fi <laughs> show. Let's just do this. <laughs> like, It's mm. such a brilliant out-of-the-box solution to the problem. And then as the show has gone on, the regeneration and the fact that this one titular character has been played by so many people at this point um, has created such a beautiful legacy that people can um, draw on and uh, sort of honour it's um, it's something that really stuck out to me when I got the sort of uh, privilege of being able to listen to uh, Christopher Eccleston talk at um, this year's Supernova. And it's um, it was lovely to hear him talk about how much he uh, sort of, just how much he recognized and respected that he was just the latest in a long line when he was cast. Yeah.
3: And I just want to say with regard to like, when 14 regenerates, I can already imagine like the enthusiasm and the vigor. And like, I have to, I, have, I don't know what's going to happen, but I have the scene in the opening scene pictured in my head. Like I, don't, <laughs> like, I can't actually envision it, but I just, I can feel the vibes. I know, mm-hmm. I know he's going to smash it.
0: <laughs> There's a, as you mentioned Talia earlier in the conversation, his, his ability to, to dominate a scene when needed, you know, his, his, his appetite for, uh, for set devouring is, is, <laughs> is, is high, uh, at, even at, at his age, but also his, uh, his ability to be able to maintain background in a scene where he is not at the forefront uh, of camera focus and still be very present. I think Julie, you also alluded to this as well. It's just watching him in the periphery to see how he is dialed into the scene, um, is going to be a, a, a very, Important aspect of where the Doctor is right now in in sort of where the Whitaker era has been sort of a reminder for for the Doctor's persona that that yes your your importance kind of puts you at the center of things quite often but you are not the epicenter of the universe you just happen to be a very large force within it but you 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 do as you have the same capacity for damage as you do for healing so please be cognizant of that and I think that's kind of where the Doctor is right now. Uh, especially in relationships, you know, surprisingly enough, but um, <laughs> as far as the um, <laughs> you're talking about the, the seeing the tail end of the regeneration, if we have learned nothing from either sex education or seeing uh, him on the red carpet recently, that man can wear any damn thing he wants. Just <laughs> establish that he can rock just about anything off the rack or otherwise. So um, now I-, I wanted to ask uh, both uh, RTD. And Shuti made it very clear in their first public statements after the announcement was made. Their first public statements made it uh, excessively apparent that they do not want to upstage the upcoming fall special and Jody's proper exit uh, as 13. Um, But was there any way that, that this news could have come to us, whether it was a a fuller video reveal production or whether they just did what they did, just released a, a, a written announcement could they've done it in any way that didn't pull some of the limelight away from this finale that we have yet to see i mean it, it's doing it it has to happen but I, I can't think of any other way that they could have i don't know pushed it a few weeks or
3: i don't think they could have i mean for me the timeline makes sense because they had to cuz they just started filming mm-hmm. um for i can talk about
0: we can, can it's t- a, yeah officially so they just you know. started
3: so they just started filming for the Dr. Donna stuff. So mm-hmm. people were gonna see David Tennant, Catherine Tate, a tighter squee. <laughs> like that was like they were gonna see that. So they had to announce Tennant and Donna coming back. But they had to announce Tennant and Donna coming back not as Tenn being the next doctor. So they had to announce Gatwa before they announced the Dr. Donna thing. It's true. So there was no way. And because the thing is, it's all about the filming, right? Because sure. you can't hide filming. Because when the TARDIS is on the streets, people are going to go wild. Right. With speculation with like set videos, like people are filming. I know you don't do spoilers, so I'm not going to say who they found that's not beneficially noted yet. <laughs> right. But they've, mm. but they've no. been wildly speculating about who they found on filming sets. Uh, and about who's going to be in what, and I've been trying to avoid it myself because I don't want to be spoiled. But I'm on the internet all the time, so like, I'm <laughs> But yeah, so it's just uh, it's just wild because, well, also especially with Tennant, people watch him like a hawk.
0: Right, they watch his travel arrangements. <laughs> you know yeah. they know when he's yeah. when he's heading like, out of town, and yeah,
3: like people. I mean, people, I people follow him around <laughs> when he and his kids go to Disneyland. It's wild. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean. I don't think there's a way they could have done it without stealing the limelight, but it, like we were saying, it's it's probably unavoidable. People are going to start seeing Gatwa Gawa on set and wondering who he is, and they're going to see the costume he's in and be like, well, he's obviously the doctor. So they had to announce it. I can't believe they were able to keep it secret for as long as they have if he was cast in February. Like, that's mm-hmm. that kind of stuff always leaks. Um, but yeah, once filming starts, you have to announce it or it's going to leak and you have no control over the story. So... I, that's why it came out when it did, I think.
1: I mean, that could play into a little bit of why they didn't make a bigger announcement about it so that it doesn't upstage anything in the future. And I I know it kind of takes us on a circular path of conversation, but <laughs> I, I do feel like that is something that, especially if the Doctor incoming and the showrunner don't want to make it seem like it's like that much more of a big deal, then it just, it kind of becomes the, like, this is within the series of things we need to let you know so that you're not missing out, but also we're not um, being too excitable about it. Where most of us get, like, like we want to know and we want to see Mm -hmm. it, but if you make it a big production, then it becomes that's all everyone talks about instead mm-hmm. of here's this snippet here's this tidbit here's this next thing you need to know
4: there's also the fact that like he was going to have to be announced anyway <laughs> like there's like yeah um as far as i know and i'm not super i think i've said um i can't remember if we've released this part of the podcast yet but i say to talia at one point on air that like I honestly would prefer it if there were no press announcements and we just watched it completely isolated as the show, and I think that a lot of discourse could be avoided that way. Yeah. (laughs) But but, uh, to my knowledge, there has not been a Doctor that has not been announced before they've gone to air. Like, And it would be really unusual if at this point, uh, without announcing that that's what they were doing. Um, If at at this point that's what they were doing specifically, and especially if they were going to do it with the first Doctor that was going to be a black man, it would be a really bad show. Yeah. (laughs) But also there's the fact that it's not going to switch over, as you say, for two years. So I don't think, like, actually announcing it now is actually allowing for that time for the initial bubble of excitement to come up and then still giving Whittaker her time. And I'm sure it's going to be a beautiful and completely, um, worthy send off for her. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It wasn't particularly, um, upstaging, especially when you consider how like there have been other announcements and like, even I think the announcements of 13's companions was before capaldi's last episode so um like there were like continuous announcements throughout so
4: right
3: so so setting aside
2: all of the shortcomings we've discussed of this particular announcement we now have an incoming showrunner who embraces series promotion and a young lead actor who's active in social media could we be seeing a return to a high engagement marketing strategy for doctor who I certainly hope so.
0: I I remember the days when they, uh, I, I know when Jody was cast, she dropped off social media. Mm. That was her decision to to close those accounts because she didn't want that direct line of avenue. She knew enough mm-hmm. was going to be discussed. She was going to be doing enough press junkets. Her words and her her visage was going to be out there often enough that that she didn't need to to have a. a nor did she think she was going to have a time to make, to maintain social media accounts. Probably right, but. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Shuti's account. By the way, if, if you don't follow him on social media, he's absolutely delightful, um, and is so intelligent and makes me feel like a complete uh, nitwit of being nearly twice his age. Well, I'm not nearly twice his age, but I, I, quickly, <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, know. I don't know. But it's. I hope that um, specifically with RTD at the helm and and knowing the um, the audience that he has just when he's just discussing anything or chiming in on someone else's, someone else's posts, you know, they see his, his account pop up on an Instagram comment, and he gets as much uh, uh, traction as the original post does. Um, but that he is and, and I'll give credit to uh, uh, Jeremy Raddick for saying this, he is the consummate showman, he is the carnival barker, he knows how to work a crowd to, to, to pay attention to something that he's got to sell. And that's a welcome thing. Um, I don't know what kind of impact it's going to have on, on Gatwa's personal voice in the social media space. Um, but I know having Russell there to be able to say, you know what, I'd love to do some webisodes. Oh, we're big on webisodes. We really want to
4: turn webisodes. <laughs>
0: um, but you know, those sort of, you know, the, the interstitial bits of content uh, and little things to, to give the fan base or just casual viewer something to chew on during break seasons and things like that. I think that would be a, a welcome return.
1: I think what I would hope for the most from some sort of high engagement or marketing strategy... St- wow.
0: Strategy. Strad- yeah.
1: Strategy is something that brings back all of the fans that maybe peeled off in the last few years based on either just timing, availability of everything availability, to them. Yeah. And I would... Uh, because we love this show so much i want to see it be enough of the money maker and the investment to come back to it so that we're not the only ones the ones who are like we're going to be there no matter what happens i want to see some of that engagement come back around so that we have large viewing numbers i think that's it's what tv is based on and i just want to make sure that the last 60 years do another 60 years so that we can have those episodes come back around again.
4: Yeah, um anyone who listens to me long enough knows that I am obsessed with the uh, interaction between reality and fiction and how they sort of interplay with each other. Um, so... Uh, the sort of the introduction of the internet and how that's created a really um, accessible avenue for fans to interact with their favorite creators is a really interesting space that kind of shifts depending on what the product is and the relationship the creator kind of chooses to have with their fans and also how. Uh, how do I put this politely, uh, persistent those fans are <laughs> in terms of what they want from those creators. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge that um, the further away a creator veers from, you know, the uh, sort of set default of young, white, middle... White, young, white, uh, uh, cis... Petro man um the more likely that interaction is going to become hostile um so i would not uh begrudge gutler anything if he decided to just give all of that a super wide berth um talia you and i have talked a lot about how important it is to um make space within uh fandom discussions for all kinds of people regardless of how they identify or where they fit into certain demographics. So you know, as long as it's as long as gut was comfortable, I'm happy to follow his lead and whatever he wants to do.. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, when we uh, resume our normal schedule in about two weeks' time, we will be getting back to what we thought we were going to be doing this week, which was our conversation about the uh, first episode of the second season of the Sarah Jane Adventures and getting into the last and so that Julie can make all of her potato jokes.
1: (laughs) Um, Oh, I have two more weeks to prepare.
0: There you go. Yeah, you just got to make sure that they're, you know, twice-baked jokes. (laughs) Mm. Bang on. But before we go, we want to make sure that we thank Lucia and Talia from the Wibbly Wobbly Timey Wimey podcast for joining us for this most newsworthy discussion. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Yeah, we're so happy to be here.
4: Thank you yeah. for having us. It was such an honor. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs>
0: the various social media hooks that should be used to find your cast would be?
4: You
3: can find us um, at WibblyPod on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram and our website is wibblypod.com. So we're just everywhere. (laughs) Wibblypod.
1: I love that so much. That is (laughs) Yes.
0: And this has been episode 469 of Gallifrey Public Radio. So until next time, this is Kira saying, you know, it's like there's a competition between being excited about what's coming in the next series and just seeing what's going to be in the news about what's coming in the next series
1: this is julie saying it snuck up on me faster at the end
2: (laughs) uh and this is haley saying i can't wait for the news announcement that derails our next podcast about the last centaur and putting julie's potato jokes off for another two weeks (laughs) spuds
0: we'll see you all then i
2: cheers bye Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. is copyright 2022. See you next week.